Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we're going to have the seventh episode of Martin DeHaan's The Days of Noah. Today's title is The Age of Deception. Let's get to it. The coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ is called in Scripture that blessed hope for when he comes again it will mean the abolishment of death and the end of suffering and trial and the eternal enjoyment of heaven. It is the hope of all who have died in Christ and whose bodies now sleep in the grave for at Jesus' coming all the believers who have died will be resurrected in sinless, deathless, painless bodies to live forevermore with Christ. But it is also preeminently the blessed or happy hope of those who will still be alive in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it means that they will escape death and be instantaneously changed and be caught up with the resurrected saints to meet the Lord in the air. All true believers, therefore, should be intensely interested in this momentous future event, the most dramatic event which will take place since the first coming of Christ. Every believer should therefore search the scriptures. The only source of information on the subject that he may be ready for that climatic event which may occur at any time. While we are definitely warned against setting dates, we're also warned not to remain ignorant of the signs of his return. Jesus castigated and condemned the scribes and Pharisees for not being able to read the signs of his first coming and so were unready to receive him. And then, that his disciples might not make the same mistake concerning his coming again, he gave them, just before he went to the cross, a long list of signs which would precede this glorious second advent. It has been pointed out that there are more than 320 verses in the New Testament alone referring to the second coming of Christ. Almost every book of the New Testament deals in greater or lesser degree with the certainty of Christ's return, but the 24th chapter of Matthew is beyond question the most complete, although condensed, listing of the signs of the times. We therefore recommend and urge upon all who are interested in the return of the Lord to carefully study this important part of Jesus' discourse on the Mount of Olives. We remind you again that the entire chapter was spoken in response to the pointed question of the disciples. Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Matthew 24, 3. Before turning to the answer, please notice that the words of Jesus were spoken to a select few. They were not for the general public to hear, but only for those who had expressed an interest in the subject. The 24th chapter of Matthew was not recorded for unbelievers, but was addressed exclusively to the followers of Jesus. The unconverted cannot receive these words, for they cannot understand them. Until a person is born again, there is nothing in the word of God for him but condemnation. The word of God can only be received and understood by those whose spiritual eyes have been opened by the new birth. Before anyone can know anything about the second coming of Christ, he must first receive the Savior who came the first time 1,900 years ago. Unless we first go back to the Christ of the cross of Calvary and the empty tomb, the second coming can be of no interest at all, nor can the unbeliever be expected to understand. If you are one of those who say that you are not concerned about the return of Christ at his second advent, I would like to ask, have you ever met Christ at Calvary as your Savior? If one who professes to be a believer expresses no interest in the return of Christ, he may very well question whether he is saved at all. The message of Christ's return is of comfort only to those who look for him, and to all others it means only judgment, doom, and eternal remorse. 
A second thing to notice in this question of the disciples is the use of the expression, the end of the world. This expression, due to the misleading translation, has occasioned a great deal of misunderstanding, which we must correct to avoid further confusion. The expression, end of the world, should be properly translated, end of the age, or the end of the dispensation. The word translated world in the authorized version is an aeon, and it means an age or a limited period of time. It corresponds to our English word eon. A literal translation of the disciples' question would be, What shall be the sign of thy coming and the consummation of the age? The word translated coming is perusia, which consistently in the scriptures for the arrival or coming again of the Lord. The end of this age, about which the disciples were concerned, will come at the return of Jesus Christ. The end of the age must not be confused with the end of the world. We must emphasize this fact over and over, for until we sharply distinguish between the end of the age and the end of the world, we cannot understand the program of God. The first essential is understanding what the Bible teaches concerning future events is to carefully separate the end of the age from the end of the world. The end of the age and the end of the world are separated by more than 1,000 years. The end of this age will come when Jesus returns visibly, personally, to this earth to set up his kingdom of righteousness. This coming kingdom age, after the close of this age of grace, will last for 1,000 years and then will follow the end of the world. The end of the age may therefore occur at any time. First, the Lord Jesus will come in the clouds to call the church unto himself. Then will follow a brief period of tribulation, ending in the battle of Armageddon, which will be terminated by the personal return of Jesus to this earth, to be then followed by the millennial age of peace for 1,000 years. The next event, therefore, is the sudden coming of Christ in the air for his church to call her out before the time of earth's greatest sorrow. The words of Paul are clear and unmistakable. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. When this occurs, Jesus does not come down to earth, but believers are caught up from the earth to meet the Lord in the air. After that, Jesus will come back to this earth with his bride, the church, and set up the glorious kingdom, ushering in a new age. The second coming of Christ is at the end of this age and the beginning of the next. Now the end of the world is quite another thing, occurring at the end of time. It is graphically described in Second Peter chapter 3. This earth will then be purified by fire and will come forth as new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness, Second Peter 3.13. We have taken all this time to point out the distinction between the end of the age and the end of the world, for until we have learned the difference between the two, it is utterly impossible to properly interpret the words of Jesus which follow in Matthew 24. The disciples' question, therefore, did not concern the final end of this world, but rather the glorious age of the promised kingdom at the return of the Messiah. With this in mind, we turn to Jesus' answer in Matthew 24. He begins the long recitation of the signs of his coming with a tremendously significant one in verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. We emphasize the fact that all the signs recounted in this chapter, the one that heads the list is deception. 
the very first thing Jesus warns about is the deception of the last days. To impress upon us the importance of this sign, it is mentioned three times at the head of this list. In Mark 13, and again in Luke 21, the question of the disciples concerning when and what of Jesus is coming. Jesus gives as the very first sign to look for the increase of deception in the false cults and isms of the latter days. He says in Mark 13, And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Mark 13, 5 and 6. In addition to Matthew 24 and Mark 13, we have recorded in Luke 21 the same sign as heading the list of all others. And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And as the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. Luke 21.8 The last days, says Jesus, will be characterized first of all by the multiplication of false doctrines and deceptive cults. How significant and how arresting this warning in the light of the amazing increase in new and exotic sects and cults and isms and religious fantasies. Never before has there been such confusion of tongues, such a babble of strange voices in the world. And no matter how fantastic, fanatical, and evidently satanic these movements, they do not lack for followers. There are some 350 different sects and cults, denominations, and under-denominational groups in America today, all of them quoting the Bible, all of them claiming the guidance of the Spirit, all of them claiming they are right, and yet all differing in greater or lesser degree with one another. Is it any wonder that men are confused and are asking, what can we believe anyway? Who, after all, is right? Where can the truth be found? It is right here that Jesus' answer comes with tremendous power. Take heed that no man deceive you, Matthew 24, 4. The test is this. Is it the word of God or the additions of men? The moment we accept the word of man instead of or in addition to the Bible, we are being led astray. Ask this question when confronted with a questionable movement. Is it based solely and exclusively on the Bible? Or is it based upon the Bible plus something? Additional revelation or vision, dreams or voices, or the discoveries of additional documents? It may be the creeds or dogmas or interpretations of men or traditions. Anything added to the Word of God as we have it in the 66 books of the Bible brands it as false and dangerous. The thing Jesus gave warning against when he said that in the last days deception would be the first and characteristic sign of his coming. It is said that a new cult or sect springs up at the rate of one each month in the United States alone. And no matter how fantastic its doctrines, no matter how wild their belief, there are always those who are willing to accept their claims. And why? Because it is the age of gross deception about which Jesus warned, Take heed that no man deceive you. Then after Jesus had issued this warning against deception at the end of the list, he has many more in the rest of the chapter. These we take up briefly in our next message, and we again suggest that you read carefully this much-neglected but very important chapter, Matthew 24. In closing, we point out once more the analogy of these days to the days of Noah. In the heart of this 24th chapter of Matthew, Jesus says that as it was before the flood, so shall it be also at the time of his coming. Surely the days of Noah before the flood must have been days of great deception. In spite of the powerful preaching of Enoch and the witnessing of Noah, the world would not believe these preachers, and when the flood came, there were only eight persons who were saved. There was no lack of good preaching in those days before the flood. 
all of the people had a chance to hear. Of Enoch, we read in Jude that he preached coming judgment, but the world paid little heed. Noah, too, was a preacher of righteousness, 2 Peter 2.5. Jesus said, as it was then, it will be again. One cannot miss the parallel. There is no lack of preaching today, and yet comparatively few are heeding and warning. We are beginning to understand the significance of Jesus' words. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Luke 18.8. We therefore assert confidently and without apology that the signs of the times indicate the soon return of the King. For the first time in history, all the signs mentioned in connection with the second coming are present together. For the first time in history, the most pressing warning then is, be not deceived. And the most pressing question is, are you ready for the coming of the Lord? Remember, as it was in the days of Noah, those who neglected to believe perished forever. Why not trust him now? I hope as you are listening to the days of Noah and what's going on, that you do the reading. You look in Matthew chapter 24 and that you see we are closer today than we ever have been in the history of the world or since Jesus Christ, that his coming is at the door. I pray that you look to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior if you don't know him. And I pray if you do know him, that you pray for our country like never before. You pray for this world. You pray for lost souls and you pray for Jesus to come quickly. I hope that this has helped you, and if it has, please like, share, subscribe, follow. Share with someone that you think might enjoy it as well. And until next week, God bless.